From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional thought is entitled Thorough Cleansing. The text is found in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. What an exceeding joy is this! He who has purified us with the blood of Jesus will also cleanse us by the water of the Holy Spirit. God hath said it, and so it must be. Ye shall be clean. Lord, we feel and mourn our uncleanness, and it is cheering to be assured by thine own mouth that we shall be clean. Oh, that thou wouldst make a speedy work of it! He will deliver us from our worst sins the uprisings of unbelief, and the deceitful lusts which war against the soul, the vile thoughts of pride, and the suggestions of Satan to blaspheme the sacred name, all these shall be so purged away as never to return. He will also cleanse us from all our idols, whether of gold or of clay, our impure loves and our excessive love of that which in itself is pure. That which we have idolized shall either be broken from us, or we shall be broken off from it. It is God who speaks of what he himself will do. Therefore is this word established and sure, and we may boldly look for that which it guarantees to us. Cleansing is a covenant blessing, and the covenant is ordered in all things and sure. Oh, God. 
from guilt and free from One of the hallmarks of Protestant Christianity is its tradition of singing. Just as the worship in the Old Testament was characterized by song, so the people of God down through the ages have been a singing people. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a CD entitled Our Great Redeemer's Praise that contains nearly an hour of the great hymns of the church performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. The CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, The Lord of the Harvest. 
The text is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, through chapter 10, verse 15. As Christ gazed upon the multitudes that followed him, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Here is evidence of Christ's great love for the lost, the love that took him to the cross to lay down his life for them. As Christ's disciples, believers ought to have that same love for souls, at least to some degree. In the course of the message, Dr. Cairns will issue a stern warning against having correct doctrine without a passion for souls. Now here is Dr. Cairns to introduce this message, The Lord of the Harvest. We're turning in God's Word this morning to Matthew's Gospel, the end of the ninth chapter, reading into the tenth chapter. Uh, The theme of the passage today, as we continue our studies in the life of Christ, is the Lord of the Harvest, at verse 36 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the publican. James the son of Alphaeus and Labaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to this familiar passage from his own precious word for his name's sake. In our last 
two studies in the life of Christ. We considered Christ as the commanding Christ, and then last week, in the verses preceding where we started our Bible reading today, we thought of the compassion of Christ. Now, today's study combines the two ideas of the commanding and the compassionate Christ. Christ's care for the multitude was no impotent wish to do them good. That is a very simple statement to make. It is a statement with rather large theological ramifications. I don't want to get off down a rabbit trail so early in the message this morning. But uh, let me ask you to keep it in mind. When you come to those passages such as John 3:16 and following, which describe the will of God and the love of God toward the salvation of sinners, remember that the love of God, the kindness of God, the compassion of the Savior is not as it may well be in the case of us creatures, a mere feeling that we would like to do them good if we could. There is no such limitation on the ability of the Savior. His compassion is not merely some impotent wish to do them good, but rather it is a powerful purpose to effect that good for their souls. Thus, we read here that having compassion on the multitude, he commanded prayer for them and for God to send forth laborers among them. And immediately, and this is why we read on through the chapter break, immediately he began to provide the answer to that prayer by commanding and commissioning the twelve disciples to go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost with the word of the gospel. Now, this is a passage that shows to us, therefore, what Christ's heart is toward the lost. He says, pray that God will send laborers to bring them in. And immediately he sends forth laborers to bring them in. We get a sight of his heart toward the lost. And in this we get something of an understanding of what our heart ought to be toward the lost. I don't want us to keep on repeating something that comes up quite frequently in any study of the life of Christ, but I don't want us also to uh, overlook it. That is, when you study the life of the Savior, you find what you and I ought to be, especially in our attitude to the lost souls of men and women. It's very, very easy to become so churchified that we become fossilized. It's very easy to become so comfortable in attending church, even in learning the serious truths of the gospel, to become so enamored with what we ourselves are learning 
and what good it is doing to our own souls that we begin to overlook that one of the primary purposes for there being a church on earth is to preach the gospel of Christ and to labor for the winning of the lost. The church cannot continue as Word of God depicts it to be, if I may use the term, a self-propagating body unless it keeps on bringing new sinners to Christ. And so here we get a view of the Savior's heart and what our heart ought to be. The end of chapter 9 is truly a great passage when we can see in Christ a great passion I'm not going to repeat what we covered last week in dealing with the compassion of Christ. But that compassion of Christ was based on a mighty passion for the lost. And I only throw it out for you to think upon. Who can begin to describe the love of Christ for sinners? Paul the Apostle spoke of the dimensions of God's love in Christ at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. And he said that after all his years in the Christian life, after all his years of special revelation, all his years of very close communion with God, after all his years of serving and preaching and seeing revival, his prayer was still that he would know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of God in Jesus Christ. He still felt, this is the man, remember, who had such revelations from God, whether in the body or out of the body, it was impossible for him to tell. Such revelations from God that it was illegal for him even to speak of them. He never described them. Such were the heavenly intimations that God made to his soul. And here is this man confessing that after all these years, he is like a little boy on the edge of a mighty ocean. He still has never been able to get out into the marvelous depths of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can tell the love, the passion in the heart of the Son of God that drove him from the throne of heaven to a lowly manger, and from a lowly manger to an even more lowly cross, and then to be buried in a lonely borrowed tomb. Who can tell the love of the Savior that drove him to do this, not for fallen angels, but for fallen men? And not just for any man, but for the worst of men for the vilest of offenders, for the wickedest of sinners, and even for you and me. There's a hymn that says, Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And it certainly is. We have often sung the hymn, Hear the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell reaches to the highest star and reaches deep where sinners dwell. There's no telling of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's consumed with a mighty passion for the lost. 
And the servant, as we will discover as we go on in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, is not greater than his master. Verse 25 says, It's enough for the disciple to be as his master. And if the Son of God himself had this passion for the lost, then that's what he expects in some degree from every Christian. That's what he expects, a passion for the lost. Not just orthodox theology. Oh, yes, we should have that. We need it. And I'd be the last one in the world to undervalue orthodoxy in theology. But you know you can be dead right and be just plain dead. There's a lot of people like that. I have books in my library, and I'm not going to name names for I don't want to get into the blame game just for at this point. There's other times I'll be very happy to blame them, but for they need to be blamed. But I have books in my library from great theologians who can split hairs and they can argue over every conceivable and many inconceivable things. I've often said when I read them, there's not a word in it would warm your heart toward Christ or give you a passion for poor perishing souls. And I tell you, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. I'm going to let you into a secret. As you know, or most of you know, for many years it was my job to teach theology to our students. After all too many years, I decided it was time to pass that on. We went into an interim period, and I knew we were needing a full-time theology professor. I want somebody who will lecture theology with passion. I have a horror of orthodoxy that is dead, of people who get all the great truths of the gospel and pack them in ice. How can that be? Why should it be? If there is one subject under God's heaven that ought to set the heart ablaze, it is the study of God. That's what theology is. It is person, in his purposes, in his eternal decree, in the outworking of that decree in creation and providence, and then especially in redemption. And when you come to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, his virtuous life, his vicarious death, his victorious resurrection. If that doesn't set the heart ablaze, then that heart has something seriously wrong with it. We need an orthodoxy that sets the soul on fire with a Christ-like passion. I fear we have lost a lot of that in the Church of Christ I think we have lost a lot of it in our own experience. Oh, we could fight over every little thing that maybe the Bible says little or nothing about. 
and you can have church splits and separations, and we think we're doing the will of God over a, a bunch of things that really are man-made inventions. But where is the passion? listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 